Another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. We got a killer episode for you guys tonight. We got Mikey Machine Paints on with us tonight. He's going to be joining us in just a little bit. But before we get into that and a whole bunch of other good shit, let's kick this thing off the way we always do with those motherfucking sponsors. First up, we got Chop Cult, the hub and home of your next build thread. So swing on over there. Make an account, add yourself to the Brolodex, scroll through the blog, and tell Lisa she's doing a killer job. Next, we got ChopShit.com. Run by the one and only Chicken Rick. Hand-picked parts from builders across the world, as well as the number one spot to grab yourself a low-life sticker. So swing on over to ChopShit.com today. Next, we got Broadway Customs. Out there in Englewood, Colorado. These guys are still killing it. They just had, uh, they did a podcast with Rob uh, on the Crazy Gentleman podcast. Go and check that out. Killer dudes, awesome shop, putting on for their community. Check them out on Instagram at broadway.customs.cycles. Next up, we got Lowbrow Customs. Everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. I have... One more order to place with Lowbrow. There's some parts I need for the bike this winter. I love shopping there. Super, super fast shipping, at least to the Northeast. They fucking kill it on the shipping. And just overall, great people. So check them out, lowbrowcustoms.com, or catch them on YouTube or Instagram. Next up, we got Paco. 53 years in the motherfucking game. It's no accident. These guys got it all. From full frames, custom built to order. Headlights, taillights, transmission components, and a whole lot more. Check them out over at Paco. That's P-A-U-G-H-C-O dot com. Next, we got the homie Wes at Custom Destruction, who hopefully you will be hearing from very shortly. Uh, Might have Wes for next week, actually, so stay tuned for that. If not next week, we'll be getting him on pretty soon to talk about these killer helmets. But in the meantime, you can go to customdestruction.com. Check out what he's got for sale. You pick the shell color, the liner color, the trim package, whatever your heart desires. And Wes will cook it up custom for you. That's why they call it custom destruction. Make sure you're following him on Instagram and let him know you heard about him on the Low Life Chopper podcast. Next up, we got yours truly, Pharaoh Fabrication. I am right here in Londonderry, New Hampshire for all of your welding needs. I got two shovel hardtails coming in the door very soon. I got Fish's shovel coming back for a little more fab work. And then we got some random industrial fab work going out. It's getting to put on a restaurant down in Boston. So the things are getting a little busy. Uh, People are getting their projects ready for the year. If you've got something that I can help you out with, hit me up. Instagram is the best place to do it. That's F-E-R-R-O, fabrication, all one word. Let me know how I can help for your next project. And then last but not least, we got Loctite's motherfucking chop shop. 
out there in Epping, New Hampshire. If you need some pinstriping done, hit him the fuck up. The books are open and he is ready to tackle your next project. All right. Before we jump into this interview, though, we do have two quick shout outs and a quick reminder to all you guys that if you've got shows coming up, things you're promoting, things related to the Chopper community that you want us to shout out on the show, that is what this section is for. These people hit us up, makes it super easy for us to go ahead and make sure we throw something out there. So if you've got something, let us know. In the meantime, first shout out, the Easy Co. and La Espada Winter Swap Meet. This is going on Saturday, January 7th, and this is at 576 Primrose Street in Haverhill, Massachusetts. It's going on from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., 5 bucks for entry, 10 bucks for a vendor spot, and there's an after party at the 69 Speedco Garage. So reach out to either the... Uh, you could, the handle is F6T9W or at the Easy Co. Uh, they're putting it on together. So if you have questions, hit either of them up. They will get answers to you. And if you want to get that vendor spot, make sure you reach out to them early. I don't know how many spots there are, but the earlier you can reach out, the better. Again, that's Saturday, January 7th, 576 Primrose Street in Haverhill, Mass. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And next up, we got the Pokin Bears Chopper Chill Out. This is going on May 13th at Muller or Mueller. I don't know how you say that. Mueller State Park. Camping, riding, and beer. Prizes for best bike. 15 bucks covers food and beer. To get more info about the Pokin Bears Chopper Chill Out, let me get this here. Oh, I missed the fucking blurb. Return to the grassroots shit. Uh, camping out under the stars. Food and beer provided with cover charge. Like we said, 15 bucks cover charge. And the first 40 people to sign up will have a reserved campsite. You can get more info at their Instagram handle, which is Pokin Bears Chopper Chill Out. Or hit up Iron Trash Rat for more details. Let me go ahead and fucking follow that account. And again, that's May 13th. So those two are far out. You got time to plan for both of them. If you've got an event of your own that you want us to help promote, shoot us a message. That is what we're here for. All right. So with no further ado, I think we are good to go ahead and roll into this interview. Yeah, we'll catch you guys on the other side. All right, guys, we are live on the phone with Mikey Machine himself. Welcome to the show, brother. Yo, glad to be here. It is good to have you on, dude. We've been taking a, a deep dive on your page. Actually, Chicken Rick sent your your page over pretty recently. And after Loctite and I looked through it, we're like, dude, we got to get this guy on the show. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I actually just did a tank for Rick. Uh, he actually stopped by a few weeks ago and he was ripping his pit bike down the down the down the street <laughs> it's funny. Dude, he gets after it on that pit bike huh yeah yeah it was awesome now i want one yeah dude the bug is it's easy to catch and when you go to deadbeat you see all the people ripping the pit bikes you're like fuck dude why don't i own one of these things <laughs> yeah so rick was down that way so you're in south jersey right yeah yep got it was he down there for work uh i think he was traveling 
Um, I think North Carolina, I think is where he was going, some kind of camp out. And he stopped here on his way back home. That's the most Rick shit I ever heard. It sounds exactly yeah. like the way that he's always rolling, dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what was uh, the, uh, which time tank? We were out. I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, there was one time, uh, I think it was last year, we were at Backyard Barbecue, and he did, uh, I think, EDR, and then rode all the way to North Carolina and partied with us in North Carolina. Fuck. Yeah. Guys that's in mileage. <laughs> but that's awesome, man. So, obviously, your your, hand, your handle is Mikey Machine Paints. So, for everybody listening, make sure you give this man a motherfucking follow. But before we get into the paint, let's give the people a little background on you first. So, what do you do? You have a day job? Is paint the full time gig? And then we'll get into um, some of the bikes that you have. Okay, so yeah, I do have a day job. I am a union carpenter out of South Jersey, local two fifty five, um, and I paint out here. Uh, at nighttime, mostly out here five, six days a week. Um, I love it. So yeah, it's a hobby. It's great. That's awesome, dude. How did it, uh, how did it get started for you with the paint stuff? Uh, so right after high school, I went to a tech school for uh collision and that also, uh, entailed, uh, welding too. So I got, trained in welding and then somehow painting and just took the custom painting on my own and just kind of taught myself really yeah and actually we were talking a little bit off the air before we turned the mics on that uh as a union carpenter you actually do a good bit of welding at work which i didn't even realize was part of uh what carpenters did <laughs> yeah i get that a lot um yeah, so we do a lot of the exterior panels on a, a lot of the high rises and skyscrapers you see in like the cities. Um, so these uh, exterior panels are prefabricated. They're welded together and they're flown up with a crane and then we weld them to the uh, structural steel. Should do to some high, some high, uh, high importance welding. This isn't just like cosmetic shit that's getting welded together. No, it's all structural. 7018 everything? <laughs> 90%, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So when you were doing tech school you, for collision, you did. You said you did welding and paint, right? Yeah, yep. So was that a tricky toss-up for what you were going to do on the side? Like, was there any part of you that was like, oh, maybe I'll do fab on the side? Or was it? clear to you that you were going to do paint uh right off the jump i knew i loved welding but i loved painting a lot more got it um it was hard to decide because they both take a lot of patience and that's what i like i like uh i like the uh patience of it i like how kind of serious me i guess <laughs> yeah for sure well paint especially like as somebody who welds full time? I look at painting as like the true patient man's game because you really got to think way, way ahead. Not that you don't with welding, but paint is such a unforgiving thing. At least it looks like that from the outside. 
it's it's definitely not forgiving <laughs> at all um you get one little thing wrong and you could have just a giant chemical reaction and literally ruining a paint job that you wasted hours on airbrushing or flaking or whatever it's happened a hundred times <laughs> Oh man, I give you credit for sticking with it after all that. I think that's that must weed out a lot of painters where you ruin a thing or two and you're like, "Fuck this, dude." Um, dude, I'm I'm sure it does, dude. I mean, I've I've definitely had that thought for sure. What what is uh is it usually like when mistakes like that happen and something gets ruined? Is it usually something that you knew why it went wrong or do you ever have some something that goes bad and you're like, I have no fucking idea why that happened. <laughs> it's both. Uh, definitely both. Um, like where you try to rush through it um, and you end up messing it up. So that's your own fault. It's mostly chemical reactions where it's kind of hard to tell where you fucked up at. Gotcha. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> The whole time you're just praying that there's no weird chemical reactions while you're doing very high stress things. If you take your time and you do it correctly, you shouldn't. But I feel like if you try to rush, you do fuck up. I've learned that from experience. <laughs> so where do people who are like casually just dabbling their dabbing their toe into paint? What what mistakes do people usually make when they try to do something with it before they have the experience? Um, I would say it's a lot in the prep work. Um, new clears now are so reflective. If you have any imperfection in your body and prep work, it will show, it will show like crazy, you know? So spend more time in your prep work and body work than you think you should. And I think your work will turn out a lot nicer. Yeah, that is very true. As someone who does, uh, very amateur rattle can stuff. I even see imperfections <laughs> in that. And I'm like, Fuck. I have a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. I'm very deep in the paint game. Many, yeah, many brands of rattle can. Yeah. I spray painted all my BMX bikes back in the day. <laughs> I guess that's kind of where it started, I guess. Hey, so I got to ask when you're doing like uh, this Sailor Jerry type shit, like the rose yeah. painted, are you doing that with brushes? Yeah, that's all brushes. That's all yeah. done by my buddy Jake. Oh no! Got it. So it's a combination. So when it comes to the setup that you're doing, all this stuff, are you doing it at your place, or do you have a separate shop that you have to do it at? Yeah, I'm doing it at my shop out back. Um, it's not big at all. Um, I do rent a paint booth. Uh, when it comes time for clear coating. Um, but like all like my base work and my, my airbrushing, I do that here. Um, my booth is pretty, it's pretty legit. It's just small. So it kind of really narrows down side work for me. So I kind of only do bikes. So did you just go to like a business and like ask them to rent their paint booth whenever you're spraying clear? Or how are you renting a paint booth? So um, my friend has a paint booth in his backyard. Uh, him and his dad run a trucking business. So oh, sick. there's a lot of like those big hoods and all that shit that he has to repair. So they sick. bought a booth for that. Nice. That's a good gig. 
to be able to do it there. So is the clear, is the clear just have different requirements? That's why you do it over there instead of at your place? Um, one, it's cleaner. And two, um, the bigger booth can pull more volume. So usually I'll get a couple, like, let's say two or three jobs. I'll have all the base work and the artwork done. And then I'll transport these over to the booth and I'll clear both of them at the same time or three of them, four of them, however many I have ready. That makes sense. Instead of having to do one product at a time and resetting up again. Yeah. Cause it cost me money to rent that booth and I'm just small backyard guy. That's true. Yeah. You got to batch a couple things in there every time you go. Yeah, for sure. Now, what do you mean when you say pull more volume? What does that mean? So it can pull like more air movement, basically. So um, the room's bigger. It's a lot bigger. The fan's way huger and it has a bigger intake. So it can move air like a lot more than my than mine can. My booth's a lot smaller. My fan's not as powerful. Um, clear contains a lot of heavy solids and my booth just doesn't have enough pull on it to pull all the clear, really. Man, it really, it really is a science. Huh? The, 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 just hearing these kinds of things is one of the things I feel like people don't even realize about how much goes into a good paint job. Yeah, it, it does get very technical. It does. Um, <clears throat> you can kind of get real deep into it if you want to. If you actually are passionate about it, you can get really deep into it. Um, but yeah, I just nerd out over it. Dude. I love it. That's awesome, man. So how much of that learning was done in school and how much did you have to just learn through painting bikes? Um, it was like really basic. It wasn't, it wasn't really anything. They kind of had like some mock-up doors and like a mock-up hood and was like, here, have at it. Just kind of threw a shitty gun at you and said, here, spray this. And there wasn't too much learning to it. And then um, I got a job at a small collision shop and I kind of apprenticed there for a few years and then left and went into a restoration shop. So I did restoration on cars for almost 10 years. And then wow. um, I just got into the union six years ago. Damn. So you've been doing this for 10, 10 years in a resto. How old were you when you got into the resto shop? I think I was 20. So I've been doing this for, I've been painting for probably about 15 years. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's a lot of time to learn the ins and outs of a thing. Yeah. And I still mess up. So don't like get discouraged when you mess something up because it doesn't matter how much time you have in it. You're still going to mess. You're still going to mess up. Yeah, absolutely. So how diff was it any different going from collision to resto? Like were there very specific things that you had to learn when you made that transition? Yeah. Um, so I got more involved into uh sheet metal repair than painting at that point. And when I did that, I wasn't really painting the cars too much. I was mostly doing uh, you know, like quarter panels, floors all that stuff. And then uh, that's like when my welding passion really took off. 
and I still wanted to keep painting. And then that's when I started doing bikes. So that's how I guess all that started. Got it. So when you're doing the welding at that point, what kind of welding is that? Is most of automotive MIG welding or is there TIG involved in that? Yeah, it was all MIG. And now now I have Ford pickups. They're all like aluminum, but I wasn't around. That's coming out. I was already out of that. Gotcha. What were, are there any standout projects? 10 years in a resto shop, you must see some really cool shit come in and out of that shop. Anything that stands out as like more, one of the most fun things you worked on? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it was a 70 Camaro RSSS split bumper. Um, that was by far my favorite car. Camaro RSSS? Camaro, R-S-S-S. Oh yeah, Camaro RSSS. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a split bumper, second gen. Split bumper. Yeah. Dope. Dope. Hey, Loctite right. news. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, Loctite, <laughs> follow up on this. I don't know about this car. Super, super dope car. And not for nothing, starting in Rasta was probably the best way to go when like starting any kind of auto body because – I mean, you know, you did it. It's like when you're doing resto, you pretty much have to touch every square inch of metal on that car. So that probably made you pretty good at body work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you ain't lying. <laughs> and is the body work something that took a long time to get that down to? Like different techniques for making that look smooth? Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a... Uh... That's where a lot of good body guys have trouble in is good body work. <laughs> Gosh, that's a part that gets no attention. I feel like nobody ever talks about the bondo or like whatever other elements are involved with body work. People always talk about the paint itself, but yeah, that's because the body work's not cool. <laughs> like like nobody nobody's ever like walked in your shop and like rubbed their hand down your car and like, man, that body work. Those body lines are so clean. <laughs> you got to appreciate the behind the scenes, you know? <laughs> I, I yeah, look at so- it though, like, like when I see these old cars, when I hit like the, the local shows that we have, I'll like look down the body line. And if there's like zero waves going down that body line, I'm like, this dude knows what he's doing. <laughs> Let me talk to you. Bondo <laughs> yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Doing motorcycles, that must be a lot easier, right? Because that's like, that's so much less body work. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. If you compare the two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm assuming you're mostly painting new shit too, right? Either bag um, of stuff or like new tanks from lowbrow and all that shit. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing a lot of the lowbrow tanks. Um, and then I'll do like a lot of like uh, early split tanks, like a lot of like panhead stuff and knucklehead stuff. Um, I would like to get more into like restoration paint too. So yeah. that would be fun to do. Now you did, and I'm trying to pull it up here. You had on your page a resto job that you did for somebody where you were matching an old tank, right? Or am I getting this wrong here? I've done that a few times. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know exactly which one. Yeah, I wish I could find it. I was trying to scroll through as I was 
mentioning that, but I had Matchwork is a real bitch, right? Yeah, paint match is is probably the hardest part. And that's why I stick mostly to just like a full dip. Right. Yeah, our homie Dan at No Luck Paintworks, he pretty much says the same thing. Like he'll do mat he'll like he'll do matchwork, but he's not a fan of it. (laughs) Which I get it's like after even just a year, like that paint looked different. You know what I mean? So trying to match a sun faded paint is like how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's tricky. It's definitely tricky for sure. Yeah, getting that would be very tough. And actually you had uh another one on here with some exposed stainless on the top, which I had never seen before. Was that painted after did you paint it and have to tape off the stainless or was the stainless done after the fact yeah so i did uh i did two tanks like that i did a black one and a like a root beer color one so both of those tanks were both done by my buddy james delphi so i think they're like lowbrow tanks or throttle addiction tanks and he welds stainless to it so I'll tape off the stainless and do all the body work and try not to get close to that stainless and then tape off the stainless through every layer I do. So I taped it off for primer paint and then I cleared it while it was still fine lined off. And then while the clear was still wet, that's when you pull the line and that's how you expose the stainless through. Damn. That's cool. Dude. That must be so satisfying to pull that line. Yeah, it's also scary too because you're pulling tape off of like fresh clear. So scary. If it like slaps back, yeah. If it slaps back onto wet clear, it's kind of like ruined. So it's 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 kind of scary. <laughs> oh, I bet, dude. I bet it's terrifying. All of paint sounds terrifying. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really talking this up right now. <laughs> All of these, yeah, it's like all these little <laughs> things that have to go right along the way, and it's not a quick process. No, I mean, I guess that's part of the satisfaction, though. So yeah. what is your, like, what's your, like, your signature shit? Like, what's the shit where you're, like, when it comes in, you're fucking amped to do it? Like, you like the candy shit, the image transfer shit? What's, like, your jam? Uh, my favorite thing to do right now is, like, I like doing this whole like traditional style. Um, yep. Whether it's cleared or cracked, like I do a lot of that cracked patina. Um, I really like doing like a traditional style mixed with like traditional tattoo. So I kind of like That's mixing it. like weird colors that shouldn't go together together. Yep, um, just like super bright bold colors. Yeah, exactly. Bright and bold. Yeah, that's that's like kind of like my signature thing. Yep. Yeah, I'm the same way when it comes to driving. Like that's the shit that I really like doing. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that Grim Reaper one you did is a fucking killer tank, dude, with the traditional type design and then the flame work around it. I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. Jake uh Jake killed that Reaper. And then um yeah, the flames were cool. There's a bunch of pearls in the flames and all that. Uh, I think that I raffled that off and that went out to some guy out in Washington state. So it's pretty cool. My stuff is kind of working itself out of like the tri-state area. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, that's got to be a rad feeling, too, to see it travel the country and end up on all these different bikes in these different places. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool seeing, like, uh, seeing, like, your work go down the road and stuff. It's It's pretty fun. Do you ever have people drop things off and just say, like, whatever you want, whatever you think is cool? Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite. That's my favorite way to go about it. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I always ask that because you never, it's like you do get different answers. There's some people that say, you know, I'd rather have the direction. And then there's other people that are like, hell yeah, I'm going to just do whatever the hell I want on this one and make it rad. Yeah. My my biggest thing is I, I like when they tell me to do that. But the only thing I ask is, what's the base color that you want the bike to be? Yeah, and then, that's fine. Uh, I go from there. That makes sense. It really it works out better that way. This uh, this I see one on here that's got green flames and some orange uh, stripes on it, and the background looks like marble. What is that? What's oh, yeah. that on the background? So that's uh, that's called cobwebbing. Um, that was like a real. Uh, it was like a traditional thing from back in like the 60s um you don't really see it too much anymore uh some guys are you know some guys are dabbling with it it's just a really cool effect but yeah it's called cotton yeah i don't think i've ever seen it seen that particular uh technique before i dig that though yeah i think it was uh back in I think it was like back in the day. I think it was Larry Watson made that pretty pretty popular back in the day. Fuck yeah, man. Is it hard for you to do it or is it something that you enjoy doing? That's I like doing it. I mean, obviously it's messy, but um that effect really stands out. So I try to use that effect too much. But uh it's not too hard to do, and it, it is a really cool effect. How tricky is the cracking? It's super tricky. It took me um, took me probably like two, three years, you know, kind of like doing some like R&D and trying to figure out what exactly it is and ha- like how I can do it consistently. Because um, at first it wasn't constant or consistent. And it took me a while to dial it in. So I, I finally got that down. <laughs> and I am asked a lot how to do it, and I'm not telling anyone how to do it. <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. If it took me three years to figure it out, I'd probably keep it to myself too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's rad. I, I But this uh, Hot Wings one, the cracking is so consistent. You know, it, it looks like it just did that over time it doesn't look like sometimes it gets overboard and they get real fucked up in some places and then not super cracked in other places but you got a nice yeah. consistent pattern oh cool thanks man yeah that tank's actually for sale my buddy bought it and uh sorry he's not using it so that tank's actually for sale right now oh shit on your page or on his page no on his page uh zach harnish's page you know his handle. Also, we can shout it out if uh, if it helps him sell that. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's Zach Harnish or Z Harnish, Z underscore Harnish, I think is what it is. Fuck yeah. So somebody's looking for a dope tank. Pick this thing up. <laughs> that thing really does look fucking rad, man. Very nice work. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit more about the the setup at the house. I know you mentioned you were doing the clear at that uh, at that other shop, but what does it take equipment wise for you to do the stuff you're doing at the house? <clears throat> All right, yeah. So I have a 80 gallon Ver Air setup. Uh, it's a five horsepower motor. Um, it comes out of that, and then it goes into a like an air conditioner, basically, and that changes my ambient temperature to pull out water. And then it goes through like a series of like, like vertical zigzags, basically. And that's also to help exchange uh, temperature and air and trap water. There's like drain valves at the bottom of each leg. And then it comes into a three-stage filter system. It comes to like a regulator and then it's an oil, like an oil and like solid debris filter and then it goes through a desiccant filter so Holy yeah shit, it involves... this, are we talking about paint or are you running a fucking brewery over there <laughs> yeah we're talking about paint man yeah if, if you're gonna go and try to do it pretty legit you know you gotta set yourself up with good tools and equipment i guess that's cool that's cool though man i didn't even realize that uh all that technology was on the, the back end of these things beyond the, the compressor <laughs> yeah yeah, and then uh, and then you have the whole intake system and the whole uh, exhaust with the fan and filters and all that stuff too. So, yeah. Is that beyond, like, do you need more than a fan in the window that's pulling it out like a box fan? Does you have to have, like, a higher level than that to pull it all out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they have, like, the fans, I guess they go, I forget, there's, like, a specific name for it, but it's, like, it's measured basically by like movement of air per like minute or something like that. So um, ventilation and filtration can get real like scientific, I guess. And it's definitely beyond like my knowledge. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, even the stuff that you already have going on with, it seems like it's to a high degree. So moving that air in and out and then for the clear, Sounds like a little more needs to be moved in and out. Yeah, that and I, I try to uh, I try to get multiple jobs cleared at one time. So I'm basically just wasting one cup for three jobs instead of wasting three cups, you know. So I'm small, I'm, you know, just try to save every coin I can, you know, every every way I can, I guess. Of course, man. Can definitely understand that. Did it take a long time to build up to this level? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So before I used to run a shop uh, all the time. And I think it took me probably about five years to kind of get myself together and put my own shop together. Damn. Yeah, dude, this is what I mean about paint being a patient man's game. Like you really have to... <laughs> to know what you need. It's a lot of setup required and there is a lot to learn with welding too. But I think the barrier to entry for welding is lower than that of paint. 
don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, you know, I do both. So it's kind of hard to say that because um, welding takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of things as well. Um, I mean, you know, the old welding, I mean, you definitely have to know what you're doing. That's true. If, especially if you're, I mean, if you're going to do frames and hardtails and stuff like that, you definitely wouldn't want to do that as your first venture, but you could buy a $500 welder and 10 pounds of 7018 and learn a whole fucking lot really fast um, with very little cost involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But it definitely seems like uh, dialing in your paint setup, the whole room is involved. You know what I mean? Like you got to make sure everything is in order and you have to tape the whole room off and to keep shit from getting just everywhere. No. So my, my, my paint booth itself is by itself in its own garage or it's in the same garage. It's just, and it has its own entryway, one door. And, um, yeah, it's FRP'd in there, so it's a it's like a fiberglass per, uh, like a fiberglass wall pad. So I sheetrocked the whole thing, and this is called FRP, and pretty much the overspray will like wipe right off with you know any kind of degreaser or cleaner, and just like a red scuff pad. So I try to keep that room really clean and as nice as I can. That's cool, dude. I didn't even know we had stuff like that that lets you just wipe it down. Yeah, uh, a lot of like uh, like sanitation areas and construction uh, require that. So there was a bunch of us left over on a job, and they let me take it. So, oh, that was my next question. It was like, is this shit wildly expensive? <laughs> it is now. Yeah, I think it's like eighty bucks a panel. Fuck, dude. Yeah, that's pricey. Yeah. For but sure. then again, it's like 80 bucks for a sheet of plywood right now. So maybe it's not pricey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, depend, depends on the year you're looking at the price, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so that, so that paint booth is out there separate from the other stuff. But do the, are the bikes kept it just in the garage and then all the paint stuff separate from the bikes so they don't get contaminated yeah yeah everything is totally separated like the painting is its own room and then all my bikes are in its own room and then i have other bikes at my friend's garages because i don't have enough room <laughs> that is the fucking struggle dude so yeah for sure. time to touch on it now why don't we why don't we dive into that a little bit as far as the bikes we talked a little bit yeah. there. You've got a whole fleet. Take take the people through the whole list, and then we'll go a little deeper on a couple of them. All right, cool. I guess we'll start with the small bikes. Uh, you got a, a 71, a 72, and a 74 Ironhead. Um, I also got a 87 Sportster, um, like, kind of in the middle of finishing up that my buddy Adam Bors started building. Um, I have my 82 cone shovel head chopper, and then I just finished my 66 uh, slab side generator shovel. Fuck yeah, dude. So that 66 shovel, 
that one's got some history to it. If if I remember correctly, this is is the one you built around the engine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The history is pretty cool. Um, do you want to dive into that now, or? Yeah, yeah. Let's jump in on that one. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, it's a '66, so it's first year shovelhead. So it's still it's still like a panhead bottom, shovelhead tops. Um, so I bought the motor off of a friend of mine, and um, we ended up splitting the cases. My buddy Tommy Bright uh, helped me rebuild this whole motor, um, but in the middle of title transferring, the title for the numbers were coming back stolen. <laughs> so I mean yeah me and Tommy we already have the whole rotating assembly together and we're getting ready to start putting the top end on and the title comes back stolen dude that's always my so, biggest fucking fear oh man my heart dropped <laughs> so um the DMV ended up taking my title and then had to do an investigation and my buddy was the one I bought the motor off of. So he was dealing with all this. So he calls me and goes, yeah, the motor stolen. You have to turn it in. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is crazy. So he goes, now I'm just kidding with you. So he gives me the history. <laughs> that's a <laughs> fucked up friend. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so through the investigation, they get some history together with this bike. And, um, so the bike was sold in 1966 at, in uh, Texas. I'm not exactly sure where. So it was sold in Texas in 66. Uh, I think it was the early 70s. The bike ended up going out to California. Um, in California, the bike was stolen. And I guess like years later, it was, it was, uh, it was found. Um, so in the, I think it was like the early 80s, the bike ended up coming to New Jersey. And I guess just the communication between California title and the New Jersey title, it that stolen and recovered never cleared up. So it was sketchy, but I got to learn the whole history of the motor. Damn. Yeah, dude, that's wild. So, so I'm assuming they called that original owner, right? I don't know. I mean, do you think he's still alive? I don't know. I mean, if he is good on him for not just being like, yeah, someone stole it, just send that thing back to me. Because <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> yeah, man, I would have been pissed. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, my buddy Tommy Bright rebuilt this whole motor from the flywheels all the way up to the heads. Um, yeah, it's hopped up inside, she rolls, and yeah, it took me like two years to build this bike, so it's finally done. That's wild, dude. What a uh what a twist there. I would be freaking the fuck out if I was had already started the build and then you get that fucking call. I think actually uh Big Scott from the Riders on the Norm podcast had this happen to him too. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I remember listening to their episode and he had a shovel that ended up sitting in the impound lot at the DMV for like six months. And he couldn't get any progress on it. Couldn't figure out what the deal was. And then when he went to pick it up, they tried to charge him the impound rate for the six months. And he ended up getting around it, getting the fucking bike out. But it was a fight. So 
I'm glad you didn't have to go through all that shit. Oh man, I was scared. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I would be too. Because you never know, dude. These people, because it's like we're all regular people, and then that's the DMV. So it's like, what are you gonna fucking do if they don't see it your way? It's like it's not like you could just fucking go take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, kind of helpless, really. And it's big money, dude. You're talking a fucking '66 Jenny shovel. That's not nothing. You know, if you lose that, yeah, that's, like, that's not cheap. That's, <laughs> that's some grand right there. Yeah, that's that wasn't even like the money I had already into it with rebuilding it. Like that wasn't even just buying it either. So I was I was going to be out of a lot of money. <laughs> dude, that's a that's a really good point. You're also the money that you've put into it, and I think a whole bunch of us buy a bike and immediately start building that bike and then go to register it at the end, which now that I think about it is a, probably I shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> Make sure that <laughs> title lines up before I start dumping the money. Yeah, I get, yeah, for sure. That's a lesson for everybody who's listening right now. Yeah. Title that title, that motherfucker first and then go from yeah. there. <laughs> That really would, that's like the whole headache right there. Cause then at least you could say, you know, it's not going to happen later. Yeah, for sure. Ah, dude. So what were, what were some of your, your favorite parts of that build? Um, I guess spending time with, uh, with the boat, I mean, really digging into this engine never been like real deep into these engines until that and uh my buddy tommy's really really knowledgeable and he's really good um so that part was probably like doing the engine was definitely my favorite part yeah that's got to be scary on a a big money motor like that yeah it is i mean it's definitely the most expensive motor I ever bought. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking cool thing to be working on, though. It must be easier to, because the Jenny shovel, dude, that's like all the cases had f- flathead screws on them, right? Yeah, well, on the cam cover, yeah, they're all uh, flathead screws, yeah, and on the rocker boxes. So is it tricky to get that back on? And not and have it not leak. I always look at the flatheads and I'm like, how does how does that hold that tight enough to not have fucking oil come out of it? On the cam cover side? Yeah, on the cam cover side. Um, so I just used um a James gasket. It's got like a copper ring in the center. And I swear by them, like James gaskets are by far the best. Um this isn't leaking. I think Every other bike that I've used James gaskets on, um, bar none, are the best. It's not the gasket I'm I'm curious about so much as the just the fastener. You just throwing a torque wrench on a flathead bit. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, the gasket is also really tight around the screw as well. They're they're kind of a pain in the ass to put on. Um, so there's definitely a good seal with the uh, with the hardware, I guess. But no, there's no gasket. Or like O ring on the end of the hardware. Got it. Yeah, well, it's it's worked this long, and a lot of people run them, so obviously they uh, 
it must hold up to it. But I guess now we're just so used to having these these other kinds of fasteners that you throw the fucking you still torque them though, right? To a spec, or you just put them yeah. on with a screwdriver. Now, yeah, everything was done uh, with intolerance and torque spec. Um, all that stuff, I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. What a fucking so! How does it run? It runs great. Um, yeah, I don't even want to talk about what carburetor I have on there because you were just talking badly about on the other week. <laughs> I put a Super B on here. Uh, it actually runs pretty, pretty <laughs> <damn> good. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, when you said that, I was thinking to myself, he either doesn't want to talk about it because it's the one I was talking shit about or it's the one Loctite was talking shit about. But then I forgot that yeah. we both talked shit about. Yeah, I was actually going to ask Loctite if he still had that Super E for sale. I still haven't even taken it off the bike yet, so it is still for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. But yeah, the motor runs great. Yeah, it runs nice. Uh, Transmission's redone with all Andrew's gears. That that runs really good, too. So yeah, it's running good. That's fucking awesome, man. So you think a Super E will go on that? No, no, I like the Super B. Um, it definitely does stick way out. I was laughing my ass off when you were talking about that. Um, <laughs> it's like a highway I, peg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it just, I guess it's more like a nostalgia look for me, I guess. And it is really easy to work on. Uh, like with the Super E, you're wearing about the accelerator pump, um, which is a whole nother thing involved with the carburetor. It's Super B. There is no accelerator pump. So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward carburetor. Um, they are a little finicky to tune, but yeah. I don't think a Super E is going to end up on it. Gotcha. Yeah, they are. I mean, all I feel like all the SNS carbs are a little tricky to tune. They do dump a lot of fuel in there, and getting them perfect is kind of tricky. But I hear a lot of people have good things to say about the Thunder Jets. Um, which I've never really looked into very much, but it's supposed to kind of balance out that issue between the idle and the main and kind of gives you almost like an intermediate in between those two. You ever run, you ever mess yeah. with those? I've never had one. Uh, a couple of my friends have them and I don't, I don't really know how to set them up. I just kind of know the basic knowledge that you're talking about right now. That's about all I know. Don't worry. That's all I know either. I just talk about the other stuff as if I know what it's like, but I've never put the Thunder Jet on there. And I think Bob, <laughs> Copper Bob swears by that. Doesn't he, Loctite? I could have sworn him saying that uh, on that, because I think on his uh, gunmetal bike, he had the, or no, maybe it was the fucking Ironhead. One of them, he has a Super B on, and I'm pretty sure he has a Thunder Jet on there too. I think he runs a Super B on everything. Oh, there you go, Mikey. You got your Super B homeboy right there in Chopper Bob. Chopper Bob knows what's up. <laughs> but every other bike I run Super E's on. Um, this is the only bike I run a Super B on. And what was the motivation to throw the the Super B on that one? Um, so with this motor, um, it's all numbers matching. It's all correct. So... In 66, it's a one-year-only carburetor. It's a, it's called a DC Linker uh, 12, and they're they're pretty rare. You can come across them. Um, they 
they definitely cost more than they probably should. Um, but this is kind of like the closest thing next to that minus the FNS L series. So it was more or less to try to keep it um, like correct looking more than anything, I guess. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Like the next best thing to, to the one that would have come on it. Yeah. Plus this has probably better performance on that carburetor anyway. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's tricky with the carbs too, because so many people changed them even back when. So it's like finding the one that, that is like the most period correct. I guess you could say it's whatever comes out of the factory, but there's also, I don't I could have sworn you could even get different types of carbs from the factory over the years. So I think the Super B makes sense for that bike. Yeah, I, I guess. I'm sure you could. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And no uh, no need to to worry if, if your throttle cable breaks a ferrule. Just fucking crimp that <laughs> in there. Fucking slam it and go. Oh, man. I was laughing when you were talking about that because that's so true. Does it mushroom the cable out like we were joking about on the show last week? Yeah, it does. It stabbed the hell out of my fingers trying to get it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Loctite's going to have a Super B on his bike in within two nope. minutes. Nope. <laughs> dude, <I'm laughs> it more. CB is the only carburetor I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Give it three months, dude. Mark. Give you a Super B on that fucking shovel. <laughs> With the Thunder Jet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if, they, if they're if they cut for that. I looked them up the other day, the Thunder Jets, and it stabs into the top of the carb. And I'm like, I don't even think my carburetor has a hole there. I don't know if people are just drilling holes and then tapping them or how that fucking works, but that's a bunch of... That's a big risk. That's what people are doing. I think it's like a bit of both. Um, I have the Super E on my cone shovel. There's a hole that's drilled and tapped, and there's just a plug in there. And I'm pretty sure Super E's, you can get them to put a Thunder Jet right in them. Um, But I'm pretty sure other people definitely have drilled and tapped them themselves. That's cool. Yeah. That'd be, I would be fucking terrified to do that, but I'm sure people do do it and they're just like, meh, right about here. Yeah. I don't think I'd attempt it. Yeah. It'd make me a little nervous. So <laughs> you got the 66 Jenny shovel and you've also got a current build going on that we were talking about before the 71 Ironhead. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm putting together a 71 iron head right now. Um, so my first Harley was a 71 iron head, um, you know, rigid little lane splitter kind of style chopper. And when I was building my cone shovel, I ran out of money, so I had to sell that. So that bike ended up going to Australia. And, you know, recently I was like, I really would like to have a 71 iron head again. So I ended up starting with, uh, a bunch of iron head parts I had in my shed and really just needed an engine and I think a frame. And I had pretty much everything else already laying around. Um, so the, the motor is pretty cool. 
Um, it's dual plugged head, uh, high compression pistons, PV cams. Um, it's already a roller. It's um, stock front end, but I got a spool on there. The lowers are shaved. It's got like that uh, stock buck horns on it. It also has that real doofy buddy seat on it that came on those things stock. So, yeah, it's going to be different. Yeah, I had looked up that buddy seat when we were talking about it before. And that thing is uh, super fucking interesting looking. The one that came on the Sporties. You even got the little backrest on yours, right? Yeah, yeah. The seat looks like a Twinkie. <laughs> it really does, dude. Especially with the tuck and roll. It like just has this like really poofy look. And it's just like a long, giant. We were talking about it looking like a boat seat. Yeah. It's pretty doofy. I love it, though. <laughs> I think it's cool that you're keeping it, man. It seems like nobody kept them, so it's cool to see that it's going to be retained for that build. Yeah, for sure. I love them. They're fun to ride. But they're really finicky. They definitely need work all the time. Yeah, things just constantly coming out of adjustment and whatnot. Yeah, on those iron heads, for sure. It's not a beginner bike, I can tell you that. Which is funny, because everybody seems to be like, oh, yeah, get an Ironhead. It'll teach you how to work on bikes. And it's like, maybe <laughs> learn to work on bikes and then get the Ironhead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll definitely learn how to work on bikes if you buy an Ironhead as your first bike, for sure. Yeah, that's been one of the things with knowing Bob is, as long as we have, that he's been into them for a long fucking time. And he still has to tinker with his quite a bit. So, and he, he fucking, he's the guru as far as we're all concerned with the, with the Ironhead stuff. So definitely something you, you're going to put your hands on a lot. Yeah, for sure. What uh, ignition are you running in that? Um, I'm running just points and everything. Fuck yeah, dude. I love it. Yeah, I mean, if you're running electronic ignition and let's say that thing poops on the side of the road, <clears throat> there's really no way of fixing it. You're kind of stuck on the side of the road. There's been plenty of times where my points went out of adjustment and I was able to fix it on the side of the road and get home. So that's the advantage of it, I guess. <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny is I've been chasing an issue that I believe has been points related this whole time. And I've never had anybody on the show who mentioned that their points came out of adjustment. And just last week, I finally checked that and I realized my points were out of adjustment. And I really wish we did this episode earlier so that I could have said, Oh, maybe I should check if my points are out. just like came out of adjustment because probably would have yeah. way sooner. Yeah. That, that little rub block that rum runs on the cam it's it's only plastic so with that cam spinning on it constantly that little rub block wears down which closes your points gap so um no that's a good point yeah because it's just constantly getting friction on it because i went to go check to see if i got twenty thousands. So i brought it up to the top of the load dude i couldn't even put any of them in there couldn't put 20 in couldn't put 18 <laughs> couldn't put 16 i'm like how is this fucking thing running dude yeah <laughs> that's awesome 
Yeah. Oh, I love it. And still being a one kick bike makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was the wild thing. Even when I killed the battery, because the battery was fucking dead, and then we hooked it up to Dan's car briefly, fucking still started in one kick with no point gap at all. Yeah, because it's a Karen shovel, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Best dude, engine. It is fucking crazy how, how points can just get the job done. Do you run the blue streak or do you don't you don't care which brand? Yeah, blue streak all day. Yeah, for sure. Points and the condenser? Yeah, yep. There you go. See, now I got to ask that too because I found out some people, they only run the condenser and they just run, they leave the other points and they don't uh, actually get the blue streak one. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always had good things to say about blue streak points. So, I, you know, I just tend to stick with them. Yeah, I hear you on that. So is there a... I don't know if I'm setting it up wrong or I'm using the actual um, the clip the wrong way, but when you have the blue streak points in there, actually, no, this would only be applicable for your cone because the Jenny shovel, it would be elsewhere. But um, on that cone shovel, when you got the blue streaks and you tighten down that screw that holds the the, the wire that runs to your coil onto mm-hmm. points there, there's no way to pop the condenser out when the points are in there, right? Because that you, you can't get to that screw that's facing up. Or is there another way um, to attach that condenser to it that makes it removable? Yeah, so I think it's like drag. I think drag specialties has, I think on their points, it's basically like a little like spring tab instead of a screw. Correct. Yeah, that's kind of like have. spring tab holds them in there. Yep. So I just took that little spring tab off and put that on my blue streaks just so I can do that, just so I can pull my condenser out without having to unscrew that. No shit. Yeah, I'll have to do that because I have the drag ones now. I put the other ones in, and then I went to change the condenser because I was having some other issues, and I was like, oh, fuck, I can't pull this thing out. So then I just went and put the other ones back in. But uh, I didn't realize that clip would fit on the other one. So I think that's the fucking best of both worlds. Yeah, for sure. Damn, I extra wish we did this interview a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's all trial and error. I mean, that's how you learn, I guess. That's it, dude. I love it. So take us through the, uh, the rest of the cone shop. You got Springer on that one, too? Yeah, yeah, so that's an inline springer. Um, it's got a 14-inch bars. I had a Airy V make. Um, that's in a that's in a, a late model frame, shovel head frame, but it's uh it's got uh Hayfley Bros hardtail on it, so it's like the pan head replica one. It's got uh like the cast axle plates in it. Um it's got a rocker clutch on it. Um Jockey shift off ratchet trans, tall sissy bar. It's just like real traditional, big tall um, fish tails on it. Yeah, that's just awesome, dude. Regular traditional chopper. You got a uh, what do you run for pegs? You got mids or forwards for the foot clutch? Uh, I just run the stock. I just run stock. Uh, the stock forwards, I guess, um, and then the the knucklehead style rocker clutch on the on that 
got the like the 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 heel and toe pedal. Yeah, I mean, I barely even ride on the pegs anyway because I'm I'm pretty short, so it is kind of like a stretch. So I kind of mostly ride with my right foot on the cone, and then my left foot mostly on the uh, spring perch on the rocker. It kind of sets me up almost as like a high mid. That's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things that all depends on the the leg length, right? What's going to be comfortable for you? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, uh, I didn't feel like changing the pegs, so I just kind of used the bike as pegs. There you go. Yeah, I see a lot of people just putting their foot on the fucking, the cone, you know, riding around like that. I think Shovel had, he was riding around just with the foot on the cone when he came up to that, uh, that bike night at that brewery that was out in Manchester there. And then I tried, you know, what's funny too, is I saw him doing that. I was, I mean, Ellie different heights on the way home. I was like, Oh, I wonder if I, if it would be comfortable to put my foot on the cone. Dude, I can barely reach the fucking thing. My leg is too <laughs> so fucking long. I was like eating my fucking knee. I'm like, Nope, not for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Just that's like, how I ride on the sports. I put one on the primary, one on the cone. Yeah, yep. Pretty much the same same stance. And actually, speaking of the Sportster, I don't even know if we mentioned this yet, but uh, you also have uh, an Evo Sporty. That's a fucking 87. 87. Oh, like God intended. That's it, dude. One of the worst motorcycles you can buy. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, dude. So what was the... uh, What's the the status of the Evo Sporty? Well, like where I'm at with it. Yeah, where does where does it sit right now? Um, so I ended up trading uh, a big twin Evo chopper for this. Uh, my buddy Adam started building this bike. Um, so it's a stock frame, but it's basically only stock where the engine cradle is. Um, he did a whole new neck on it. He had it like a like a country bar. And it, um, it's got a TC Bros hardtail. Um, the TC Bros hardtail kit's pretty sweet. It comes with the seat, the oil tank. Um, you can reuse like your stock axle and brakes and all that. Um, but Adam did all that work, and now I just kind of got to finish mounting the uh, rear fender, and then uh, that's it. And then I'll start breaking it down for paint. That's awesome, uh, dude. Loctite, is your T is you have a TC Bros on yours as well? Uh I don't even fucking remember, honestly. <laughs> Funny, right? When it's been so long, you're like, which hardtail did I use on that? Oh no, I use uh David Bird. That's right, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that guy makes dude, hardtails anymore. Nah, something about and I'm probably fucking misspeaking, but something like with his wife and like some medical shit. So I think they stopped making them. Or at least like on like the level of like sounding the low brown shit. Uh, but I will say if anybody, if you can get your hands on that, that's hands down the best hardtail. Yeah. I remember yeah, when yeah, stopped making standards. them <laughs> and people were lining up on a huge list when they were doing like their, this is our last order type deal. Yeah. They're so nice too. Cause like you pretty much get to customize it. Like you pick how far out and how far, like, what you want your stretch to be, what you want your drop to be. And then when you get it, it literally just like cups around your transmission plate. 
and just you just weld it <laughs> it's like the easy like i did mine with no fucking um what's it called uh jig jig yeah yeah just literally use fucking strings and it just lined and i can let go of my fucking bars at 50 and just cruise the nicest fucking hardtail yeah that is rad i wonder if anybody picked up that design after he stopped making them or not sure someone is gonna have to if he's not making them anymore because they were nice yeah super nice God, and you run in, what are you running for the uh, controls on that one? Because I know Loctite's had some issues trying to find aftermarket controls that fit. Oh, my God. Just uh, just using the stock meds. Is, um, Dude, do not ever, on. never get rid of those. They're, <laughs> they they're, they're so hard to find. And then when you find them, you know, just the shifter paw, how it has like that yeah. slight, it has like that slight, it's almost identical to the iron head but it has a little bit different of a curve okay people do people will try to get three hundred dollars for those <laughs> it, they're fucking insane it literally took me two years to find a mid control setup that's crazy yeah <laughs> that's insane. yeah so don't even if you're like eh, i'm gonna run forwards just put those right up on a shelf for a rainy day <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your advice <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. It took forever to track those things down. And so in that one, that's like the one of the more modern ones that you've got here. You run electronic in that, or do you even convert that one over to points? No. Um, yeah, that's definitely the newest bike I think I've ever owned. Um, but no, that's going to be electronic ignition on that. Um, I'm going to uh, keep the starter on it. And uh, just make it, you know, rideable for anybody. Because um, I'm more than likely going to be selling this bike when it's done. Gotcha. Too, is it too new? No. Um, just to fund other stuff, I guess. Yeah. You got the whole stable, so I'm sure it's tough to choose. You can only ride so many of them consistently, right? Yeah. Um, I actually rode the Iron Heads bunch this summer that's awesome dude and how tall how tall are you because iron heads are it's a smaller bike i feel like than people realize yeah i'm five eight so yeah they're small bikes but it still fits you decently yeah yeah for sure um i bet the seat yeah, comfortable I, as fuck on that thing yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> oh, you didn't have that one on there yet. No, I haven't ridden it with that seat on there yet. No, I haven't. Uh, all the other iron heads, uh, the one has like a solo seat on it, and then the other one has like a Cobra seat on it. So this big, this big ass sofa seat, I I don't even know what it's like to ride on yet. I've never rode one yet. Did that come with a bike, or did you have to find that thing? Nah, I found it at a swap meet, at AMCA swap meet. Nice, dude. That's rad. Yeah. It'll be easy to mount, too. You know it fits. <laughs> Bolts right on. That's fucking awesome, dude. And are you running uh, 
the 71 still had that hamburger drum break in the front. Is that still on there? Uh, no, I'm running a spool on the front of that. Um, yeah, it's just a black spool. Uh, shave the lowers. It's stock 35. Um, on my 72, um, someone put, I don't think that that's stock on 72, but someone did put that 33.4 millimeter front end on with that hamburger break. Yep. Yeah, dude, the, the hamburger break is another one of those things like the mid controls. People just ask. I've seen people list that thing for a thousand bucks. It yeah, is yeah, fucking they're wild. They're cool. They don't work. They don't work at all, but they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So it's just it's just dog shit. Yeah, they they fucking suck. <laughs> That's awesome. I always felt like uh, there, there's two camps on the drum break thing. Some people are like, oh, dude, if you if you set them up right, they work mint. And then there's everybody else who's like, no, they don't. If any sentence starts with, if you set it up right, it's going to be a piece of shit. (laughs) 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 I'm on board for if you set it up right, becoming the next, I don't know much about it. Whereas (laughs) one of those key phrases you got to listen for and ignore. I decided to go in a different direction. I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. Away from this bike. I can see you. Later. Yeah, I had one on the XS. And I heard a lot of people say like, oh, it's pretty good. You know, if you set it up right. And dude, I literally went for a ride with no front brake on that thing. Like one time. And I was like, holy fuck, dude. This is the biggest piece of shit. I have to put a front brake on this immediately. <laughs> but some people yeah, do the, on the, the juice drums in the rear on like the Jenny shovels and the pan heads. I wonder if the juice drum works any better than the regular. Yeah, the the juice drum works great. I have a juice drum on my can, and that thing works just as good as a um, as like a disc brake. Um, the drum brakes, um, not so much. Uh, they work okay, but definitely give yourself a lot of room to stop. That's interesting about the juice drum, though, working better than the other ones. I wonder what it is about that 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 makes – you know what I mean? Because it's like the mechanism that's actually doing the braking is the same. I wonder why it works so much better just because it's hydraulic. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not I, – I don't really know, but – they just, I don't know. The hydraulic one definitely stops a lot nicer. The mechanical brake, like I said, it works, but not as good. Got it. Mystery solved. Hey, so with that juice <laughs> drum, we were talking the other day, that juice drum, you are, uh, you're stuck with the, your, your rear sprocket size there. Do you feel like that juice drum still gives you the opportunity to go on the highway or is that kind of limiting on what you can run? No, so, um, yeah, I just run the stock sprocket, obviously, on that drum. But um, you can go bigger sprocket up on the uh, transmission. Um, I can ride this, like, 80 all day on the highway, and it's it's good. It's fine. Nice, dude. That's awesome. What do you run on the front, if you know offhand, for a sprocket? 
I forget. It's either like 24 or 26 tooth, something like that. Gotcha. But it can do highway. So yeah, easy, yeah, this is about a, all it would need to do. Yeah, my cone is my cone is the bike I I mostly ride. Yeah. Gotcha. And you said you got a, a ratchet top on that thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Put a ratchet in it. Oh, did it not come with one? No, no, because this is a later cone, so that came with a uh, with a cow pie. Oh shit! So you made the swap, dude. So you really wanted that ratchet top. You had to work for that thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I paid it probably like three bucks to buy it. Yeah, dude. Ra- transmissions are so fucking expensive. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I think everything's expensive right now. Even before, though, I feel like transmissions have been going for. What does the transmission go for these days? Like two thousand dollars for like a used one. It's it's up there. I mean, for a ratchet, were, it's like fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not as bad then. Yeah. But before, though, like when I was first building the step job, you can get a ratchet transmission for like seven hundred. Yeah, yeah, a while ago, yeah, not anymore. Shit, yeah, gone are the days. But shovel prices came down, so there's some things. Some things are going in the right direction. Yeah, shovel prices are going wicked low for some reason. I think it's because all the hipsters are like, bikes suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because I'm telling you, if you go on Facebook Marketplace, there's, there's hundreds of cone fucking shovel choppers that are just for sale for like three grand, 3,500. I've seen some for two grand, like unfinished fucking shovel choppers. Damn, time to buy them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get those prices back up where they need to be that's it man just in time to sell that's <laughs> bad, yeah i know there's Keep them like everybody's been wheeling and dealing the the shovels mm-hmm. lately i know i think rick just sold one of his shovels and then bought a different shovel yeah <laughs> that yeah. k model he picked up really cool yeah, I was talking to him the other day. He's got a lot of different bikes he's been like picking up and swapping out. He, he's all over the place with fun little projects he's got going. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of projects too. That's fucking cool, man. And so this, take us through, I'd like to talk too about this one you did. You painted a people's champ bike for Crazy Apes Leather. Uh, black and yeah. silver paint job, man. That thing came out fucking sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle did an awesome job on that bike. Um, yeah, so he wanted to keep that like real 60s traditional. Um, and he was super stoked about it. Took that out to uh, California for People's Chant. And uh, yeah, I think he, he's changed the bike up since that. Um but yeah, that was that was a fun experience. That's fucking cool, man. How long did it, does a paint job like that take? Usually take you? Uh, I only did the gas tank on that, so I think it was probably like three weeks. Yeah, probably three weeks, something like that. Fuck. 
Yeah, dude, the patience is real, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm only limited on time because I do have a day job. Um, but I am out here five, six days a week as well with, uh, you know, I have a wife, no kids, but, you know, I have a life. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you, you want to have some time to do shit you want to do too. Yeah, for sure. Cool though, man. And so what do you got? What do you got in the shop right now? As far as the paint? Um, so I have um, <clears throat> a guy, Chris, from up in Connecticut. Uh, he's building a, a shovel head. Um, <coughs> so I painted a gas tank, an oil tank, and a fender. For him, he's coming down to pick that up Saturday, I believe. Um, I have a tin set for my buddy, Dan. And um, this fully molded Triumph chopper for my buddy Tommy, who built my motor. Oh, fuck. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Yeah, full swing. So fully molded, like, the whole, the body and, and everything, like you're doing the whole frame, tens, everything? Yeah, everything minus the fender. So, yeah, so oil tank the uh, gas tank and then he welded a lot of round stock to it to add some more body line to the frame and to the gas tank and all. So um, got to mold all that stuff into, and then um, it's just going gloss black, no graphics or anything on it. Nice. But black is one of those things that I hear still takes a, a lot of care and effort because it'll show little imperfections here and there. Yeah, black is totally unforgiven, for sure. Yeah, and speaking of the black, dude, you did this, um, as far as a, a bike that I really love the style of. Let me see, is this tagged? I think it was, uh, yeah, this one you did for 74 Glide. It's a panhead with split tanks and one of those solo tractor-style seats. Oh, yeah, Um that Kurt. thing is that thing is so Kurt. fucking cool, dude. I love the way yeah. that. Out. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Very different style of bike, you know. And that rear wheel, the black fender, just a super unique bike. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's more like an old, like kind of like a stripped down stocker panhead kind of style. Um, yeah, I love that bike. It's really cool. And is that, that a guy that's local to you? Um, I think he's like in central Jersey. So I think he's probably about two hours north of me. Gotcha. Yeah, man. Really cool stuff. And it seems like you got your hands full as far as people already reaching out with projects and things like that. Are you still taking orders from people? Um, I'm booked up until March right now. Um, and then oh, I closed down, yeah, I closed down during the summer, um, just trying to make bike events and barbecues and all that stuff. Um, so I, I pretty much stopped booking, uh, April and then usually like the middle of June, I kind of closed down until, uh, like October usually. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense, dude. Give you some time to enjoy yourself. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gives me a break in between it and, uh, you know, keep the passion alive. And if you're just grinding every day, it becomes more of work than a hobby. So. Right. You don't want to lose the flame. No, for sure. You definitely don't. Gotcha. Well, dude, I am. uh, It's very impressive. The stuff that you got going on and definitely we're going to be keeping in touch, seeing what other stuff you cook up. And yeah, dude, I appreciate you coming on. This was fucking awesome to to get to chat with you about it all. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I had fun. Thanks for having me again. Of course, dude. And so you said, just give us one more time. You were booked up to what month? March. March. So if anybody wants to reach out to you to book something for after that, what's the best way for people who are listening to get in touch with you? Um, I'm on only Instagram at Mikey Machine Paints, or you could email me at Mikey Machine Paints at gmail.com. Beautiful. All right, brother. Well, thanks again for doing it. I hope a couple people reach out after hearing you on here because the work is phenomenal, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, dude. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. See you. All right, motherfuckers. We are back. Big shout out again to Mikey Machine. Super cool to have him on. Get to get the story behind the work. Make sure you're following Mikey Machine Paints on Instagram. You can see some of the tanks that we've actually been talking about this whole time. So when you're listening, you can follow along with uh, what we're commenting on. But before we close this one out, we got to go ahead and thank some of the people who make this show possible. First up, let's see here. Let me get this. I should have pulled this up before. First up, we got Deadbeat Customs out there in Tewksbury, Massachusetts, and online at deadbeatcustoms.com. If you're shopping online, make sure you use code LOWLIFE at checkout to save yourself a couple of bucks. Next up, we got Hypnic Jerk Customs, the homie Cam, killing it out there in Sydney, Australia, making some of the dopest taillights, headlights, indicator lights, jockey shifters, points covers, and a whole lot more. Check them out at hypnicjerkcustoms.com. Next, we got Stay Strong Co., maker of the dopest hot sauce in the motherfucking game. Find him at Stay Strong Co. LLC on Instagram. Next up, we got Steel City Blacksmithing. Josh out there in Pennsylvania killing the smithing game. Uh, Dude is absolutely elevating the shop constantly. He's got the new CNC machine up and running. He's got the blacksmithing work still going full steam. If you need something made, hit up Josh at Steel City Blacksmithing on Instagram. And Loctite, do you know if the giveaway ended already for Beginner's Luck? I did, last time I seen, I think there was four spots left. All right. So just in case it has not sold those spots, go to Steel City Blacksmithing on Instagram. Give him a follow. Buy a ticket. You can find all the details on his page. That twisted steel frame, sporty, unbelievable fucking build. Get a chance to win that motherfucking bike. Next, we got Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co. in upstate New York doing custom work, full builds, a full merch line, and a whole lot more. Follow him at Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co. on Instagram or his personal page, Ray's Hell Daily with an EY. 
Uh, and last but not least, we got the homie Dan Bliss in Manchester, New Hampshire, behind No Luck Paintworks, the go-to guy in our area here. If you need some paint, do not wait till motherfucking June. Hit him up right now, No Luck Paintworks on Instagram. All right. So to close this one out, I will say Mikey's got the paint to set your next build apart. So hit him up to get on those books this March. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you got you got you got to wait a little <laughs> bit. He's a busy dude. That'll give you time to do the rest of the build, and then you fucking get that shit painted. Yeah. All right, Loctite. What do you got for these people? Take them into their motherfucking Friday. It's Friday, motherfuckers. Want to get into the paint game and learn the way? Just grab a gun and spray and pray. 